And so for my subject on today, God has given me the title, amen, Lay Down Your Burdens. Lay Down Your Burdens. And for my subtitle, it would be Burn Your Idols. So y'all going to hear me say that a lot. Lay Down Your Burdens, Burn Your Idols. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And so the question, um, the question that I want to present to y'all on today, amen, is what is the real business of church? What's the real business of it, right? What, 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 it, why are we here? What are we looking to do? And I think that God has answered that question just in the devotion service on today. We are here because we want to be in his presence. We are here because of his sacrifice on the cross. We are here because we want him to move, not just bless us with material things, but we're looking for him to move in a way, glory, that's going to save somebody, set somebody free, deliver somebody, right? We're praying for our family that those same things occur in their life, right? That's what we want to happen. That's what we want to happen. And so if it, if it, if it's a burden to serve God, then you really don't know him. I was just thinking, right? You know, I was just thinking when doing that, doing the devotion, I was like, God, I can stay here all day. The only thing that pulls us out of that place, the only thing that pulls us out of wanting to stay in that place all day is this flesh. This flesh get tired. This flesh get tired of standing up. This flesh starts thinking about work on Tuesday morning. This flesh starts, right, thinking about it and have us thinking about what we got to do when we leave out of church. But think about when we get to that place where we can just sit and praise him and be with him and be in that feeling without getting tired, without this flesh giving up. Right? Hallelujah. And that's why the Bible says that God is a spirit and we must worship him in the spirit of truth. Hallelujah. So if it's a burden to serve God, then you really don't know. And what I have begun to realize that so many people are living for the blessings of God or they want to be attached to the clout that his name holds. And what I mean by that is everybody, even people that are not saved, right? It's something about, just like that song, it's something about the name Jesus. So when people say the name Jesus or if they say, yeah, I believe in Jesus or I go to church or I believe in God, right? There's a certain, they think if I say it, then I'm going to get something from it. All I got to do is just say the name. But when you're living for the blessings of God or you're just living for the blessings of whatever comes from being attached to his name without actually being in a relationship with him, something is wrong. Just because you say the name Jesus does not mean that you love Jesus. Hallelujah. And I just began asking myself, these are all questions that I began asking myself in my preparation for this sermon is when did the gospel become about us instead of for us? Right? So many people out here proclaiming Jesus, but you really don't see Jesus. You just see them. You just see their platform. You just see their church. You don't see even the works. Right? You just see them. You just see their brand. But you don't see Jesus. When did the gospel become about us? Right? When did the gospel become about us instead of for us? When did the church and God become about motivation and inspiration instead of love and correction? Let me say that again. When did the church become about motivation and inspiration? How many of y'all came here today to be motivated? 
to be inspired? And how many came to be corrected? How many came to get right? How many came to lay down burdens? How many came to burn your idols? Or did you come because, oh, I got I got to go to church. I got to get a word so I can feel good about the rest of my week. This is not a feel good place. Right? This is a clean up place. This is a hospital. And of course, when you leave the hospital, you might feel good. That, that, like, that, that might come about, right? But that's not the sole reason. When you go to the hospital, you don't go for them to give you a pep talk and then leave your cancer or your sickness intact, right? You want them to do surgery. You want them to fix you. You want them to make it right. You want to be healed. You want to be delivered. You don't go there for them to say, it's going to be all right. You don't go there for them to pat you on your back and say, you're you going to make it. But then no surgery takes place. So when did church, like when did God just become about motivation? Everybody just using the name of God. But then when you look at their life, when you look at their fruit, you're like, where is God? You using him as a motivation tool. Everybody talking about what God has allowed them to do or what God has blessed them with. And then the next thing you turn around and they just living recklessly. That's not God. That's not God. Second Timothy tells us, it says that all scripture is God breathed and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction, for training in righteousness. Right. So that a man can be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Where in it does it say that the word is to make you feel good? It says it's for correction, it's for instruction, it's for training in righteousness so that you can be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Where does it say that the word is supposed to make you feel good? It doesn't say that. And so I want to tell y'all, don't let people motivate you and encourage you to the point that you lose your soul. Real friends not going to just gas you up and have you thinking you all right. Oh, girl, it's going to be all right. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. All of that has its place. But real love is going to say, girl, now you know you're wrong. God does not approve of that. Real love is going to clean you up. And you're going to see it by the fruit that that person likes. They're real love, right? When people really have Jesus... You're going to see them go through something terrible, and then the next moment when they turn around, they're praising God. Real love going to have you thinking, now, now, I know this girl just lost her daddy. She just lost her mama. She just went through a divorce. Why is she still saying God is real? Amen, amen, amen. All this stuff that the world do, you people go through stuff, and then the next thing you know, they posted something about how good life is. But I'm like, but I know you. You, you just posted this, but I know you, and you was locked in your apartment sad. So you're saying you are right, or you're saying God has done all of these things, but why are you always sad? Where's the fruit of that relationship that you say you have with God? Don't let people encourage you to the point that you end up losing your soul. We need correction. We don't need self-help. We need God help. That's the thing. Now, everybody, you, you, you think that if you just keep telling yourself, I can make it right. 
If you just keep telling yourself that over and over again, you're going to be all right. That's self-help. You need God's help. Right? Religion, idol worship, false religion produces unhealthy strength. Lay down your burdens, burn your idol, your grind. Your grind, that's the other thing. Your grind can't save you. Your grind can't save you. Your determination can't save you. Your repeated mantras, right? Y'all know what a mantra is? That's where you just keep telling yourself the same thing over and over again. It's a Hindu word. You just keep telling yourself over and over and over again, right? That, that it's a form of just like you trying to meditate. You, you telling yourself, if I, if I say this enough, eventually I'll begin to believe it in my life will change. If you keep lying to yourself, ain't nothing going to change. Hard work does not equal salvation. Hard work don't equal salvation. Repentance equals salvation. Turn from your sin. Lay down your burdens. Burn your idols. Burn them, y'all. Burn them. An idol is anything you put before God. Burn it. And, I, and I'm talking like, I, I, I'm like I, I, I believe that this is a room full of Christians. So this message is, it, it is for everybody, but I'm, right now I'm, I'm talking to church for church people. Even like we think as church people, like if I just grind hard enough for Jesus, right? And we end up doing busy work. It's got to be rooted. It got to be deep down in your heart. You can't even work in the church hard enough to save yourself. That's not going to produce salvation. I keep telling y'all when I get on when I when I say something about church attendance, it's it's not just it's not to 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 tie you to like if if you just show up, something gonna change in your life. That's not why I'm saying it. I'm saying it because you you need you need the word, you need community, you need prayer, you need to be in the presence of God in order to make it. Y'all, this world is going to burn. Do y'all understand the times that we are living in? I'm just thinking like with, with, the, with the level of Jesus that some of us got, you ain't going to make it. The Bible talks about it that God don't come quickly, even like the, the devil going to be almost able to fool even the elect. Like if he, if he don't come back, none of us would make it. We wouldn't be able to survive. Hallelujah. I need y'all to Get that, in, get that in your spirit. It's not just about church attendance. It's not just about saying the name Jesus. It's not just about saying you believe in God. Where is your fruit? Lay your burdens down. And I like that. And I keep reiterating, I'm talking to church people. We are burdened, y'all. I'm talking to myself. It's like I'm working so hard and at the end of the day, like, I'm still trying to train. I'm still trying to say, God, you're going to have to do this for me because no matter how hard I work at the end of the day, I still got to realize that if anything that is going to be done, you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to do it. I'm just a vessel. I can only do what you allow me or you equip me to do. Anything that I do with myself is going to fail. Right? I'm just setting myself up for disaster. And so I have to rely on the fact I have to like I have to keep telling myself, OK, God, if it's going to be done, you're going to have to do it. And then he give me these little God wings. He say, right. 
All everybody like 25 people might not listen to you and he'll say, but this one, that's your fruit. Right? This one that is listening to you, that's the one that's going, that's encouraging you to keep going. Whatever it is, we have to look for those things. Where is your fruit? What is that? Where are those things in your life that lets you know you're on the right side? Where are those things in your life that let you know you're walking how God wants you to walk? For the rest of this sermon, I'm going to be in Matthew 7, and I want to read the 23rd verse first. And it says, and then I will declare to them publicly, I never knew you. Depart from me. You are banished from my presence, who act wickedly, disregarding my commandments. This is Jesus talking. He's talking to the Pharisees, right? It's like we go around and all of these people, they they, they say in the name Jesus, they publicly saying, I believe in him, but they don't have no fruit. They don't love people. They don't keep his commandments. And Jesus said, there's going to come a day where you think that you publicly proclaiming me. He says, I'm going to deny you in public the same way. Because you're not really keeping my commandments. You're not loving people. You're not putting no other God before you. Burn your idols, y'all. So then why does Jesus say this? How does he come to this statement? So I go back to the 15th verse. It says, beware of false prophets. Teachers who come to you dressed as sheep. Appearing gentle and innocent. So what Jesus is saying, there are going to be people, and I need y'all to understand that every devil does not have red horns. It's the same reason I say you can't let people motivate you and encourage you to the point that you're going to lose your soul. Because it seems like on the surface they're coming to me, oh, that's my friend. They're telling me everything's going to be all right. Everything's not going to be all right if you don't repent. They're coming to you gentle. They come in and you saying, girl, you ain't got to do it all that. No, you ain't got to do all of that. You don't have to love God like that. God understand. God know your heart. Right? They a lot, they, they, they keep telling you like that that's not God. And they try to justify giving God half of what he deserves. That's what I mean by they come to you dressed as sheep. You would think. You would think looking at them, oh, they in the fold. These God's people, you would think looking at your friends, right? When I, when I start preaching this, man, I say, God, this ain't going to feel good because I was thinking, and, and this is even in myself, like, I don't want anybody that I know to go to hell. I don't want anybody that I know. Like, it's something in me that, that, that wants to say, everybody going to have a chance. They're going to get it right. All I got to do is be patient. All I got to do is be understanding. All I got to do is be forgiving. All I got to do is give them time. All right? No matter what they do, no matter how bad they done, all I got to do But y'all realize some people don't want God. And if you don't tell them the truth, if you just keep saying, all I got to do is just love on them, but you never give them the word, you set them up to die. Sometimes we got to tell people the truth. And when I say sometimes, I'm not saying that we don't give it to them. We got to tell them the truth. I'm saying sometimes because sometimes you just need to sit there and listen. And then sometimes you got to tell them what God say. But you, at some point, you got to tell them. So it would seem that these people are sheep. They appear gentle and innocent, but inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. And I say it don't like it doesn't look like. They're not going to look like they out to get you. 
Your friends don't look like they out to get you. They might not even know that they, that, that they leading you the wrong way. They might not even be, if they don't know the word, they're not even conscious of it. They just say, oh, it's going to be okay. That's not real friendship. How many of y'all know what a spiritual wolf look like? Huh? What they look like? They, they obviously exist. Jesus said they exist, but what do they look like? Who is it? You, you think it's just pastors? Who is it? Who is a spiritual wolf? Anybody. But Jesus gives us the answer in the 16th verse. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. That is, by their contrived doctrine and they self-focus. If you got any friends, when you trying to live for the Lord, and they come back like, you ain't got to do that. I go to church too, girl. And I do such and such, and my pastor say, it ain't about your past, it's about Jesus. It's about you. What the words say? What the words say? You'll know them by the fruit. How are you going to take advice from somebody, right? They tell you it's going to be all right, but then you look around and you look at their life and it ain't all right. Where's the fruit? Where's the change in their life? Jesus said you'll recognize them by their contrived doctrine. Contrived doctrine means they make up their own gospel. They tell you what they think the word means, right? And they're self-focused. A lot of times when somebody have a contrived doctrine, it allows them to do what they want to do. When God is telling you something, when it's God's word, most of the time it's going to be something that goes against your very nature. It's going to force you or cause you to do something that you don't want to do. It's going to make you forgive when you're like, I don't want to. It's going to make you give when you be like, God, I don't have nothing to give. It's going to make you show up when you're saying, I'm tired. It's going to make you give to somebody. You say, well, God, they don't never give to me. It's going to make you do something that you don't want to do. Contrived doctrine is when they say, well, that's what they get. That's not the word. That's you. That's you. That's bad fruit. The word says, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes and figs from thistles? Even so, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but unhealthy trees bear bad fruit. So what Jesus is saying, right, is two types of trees. How do you know which one is good and which one is bad? By the fruit that it bears. He used that example because it's common sense. Just on the outside, I'm looking at two trees, and I'm like, okay, it's two trees. But when I get close up on that tree, then I start to look, well, this tree got leaves. This tree don't have no leaves. When the storm come, this tree kind of, it still look good. This tree, it's all broke up and stuff done crumbled off of it. Y'all understand where I'm going? God has placed things in the natural realm to show us when something is dying, when something is not right, when it's not sturdy, when it's not stable. When something is out of place, it's things in the natural that make sense to us that a preacher ain't got to explain. If you go outside and you plant something in the ground and all the leaves turn brown, what's happening to it? It's dying. So why we don't why we don't look at human beings like that? Why we don't look at our friends and our family? And when we look at the circles and the bags and the and the and the obesity and all that other stuff, why we don't associate that with death? 
Why we don't associate that with bad living or bad practices? Y'all understand what I'm saying? Don't get me wrong. Now we in the flesh and this flesh going to break down naturally regardless of what you can be living as whole as you want. This flesh still going to give out. But y'all understand what I'm saying? There going to be certain practices, right? There's certain things. You can smell it on people. You can look in their eyes and see it. Right? That's for a reason. You ain't got to tell me you smoke. I can look at your lips. And if God didn't want it to show, he wouldn't make your lips turn black. He wants it to show. He wants it to be a sign that something is wrong. That's what the word means by you'll know them. You'll recognize them by the fruit that they bear. Every tree does not bear good fruit. He said it's cut down and thrown into the fire. I was in the barber shop and my barber's cousin cuts down trees. And his, he was saying how, you know, when he goes to give assessment in people's yards, he'll tell them, like, you probably want me to go on and get this tree, too, because it's dying. But the people be like, no, nah, I'm just going to get this one. He like, OK. But then when the storm come and fall on their house, like they distraught. That's why you cut down the drying tree before it fall on your house. Right? To say it another way, Jesus talking about if your eye offends you, what you supposed to do? You're supposed to pluck it out. Because what happens when you have disease in your body? Most of the time, it spreads. It spreads. That's why Jesus said you cut it out before it spreads. It's better to just go ahead and cut that thing off before it spreads to the rest of you and you lose your whole life behind it. I love the word. The word ain't difficult. It's, it's practical. He says, not everyone who says to me, who are you talking about? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's plain. That's plain. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do his will. Only those who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day when I judge them, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied into your na- in your name? And driven out demons in your name. And done many miracles in your name. He ain't talking to street people. ain't trying to cast out demons, y'all. He talking to the church. They ain't, trying, they ain't out there trying to cast out demons. It's the people who say they living for Jesus that's doing these things. He says, and I would declare to them publicly, I never knew you. I never knew you. And I know that may be so scary to you. Some people, they stress and they and they worry about, am I doing it right? Right? Like, am I doing it right? I know that may be scary to you, but the Bible tells us to work out our salvation in what? Fear and trembling. That's a little bit. Part of the respect, right? I was talking to my parents and we were just talking about kids, right? We were just talking about kids. And, and I told my parents, right? I told my parents, I said, well, you know, we, we take the hinges off the door in my house. They was like, ooh, y'all. Y'all tough. Y'all tough. Y'all tougher than my parents would. And then my mom said right after that, she said, but we were scared of our parents. And so what has happened in the land, there is a like, there is a proper amount of fear that you're supposed to have for authority. And what's happening in the land now is nobody has any fear. The Bible says in the last days, people going to start doing what's right in their own eyes. So everything becomes permissible. There's no level of fear. You can do whatever you want and there is no consequence. Because most of the time, people telling you, do you. You do you. Do you. There's no fear. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But Jesus is saying, he's right, he's saying, but on that day when I come to judge you, you know, you saying you called by my name, you got to have a proper amount of respect for Jesus' name. If you call by his name, you're going to bear fruit. And when he says, depart from me, that ain't like, that's not, okay, go over there and sit down, you in time out. That means you banished from his presence. Banished means don't come back. Don't come back. Right? On this day, he says, when I judge him. So he's talking about judgment day. Right now, you still got a chance. Right now, he's searching and seeking the lost. Right now, you got a chance to recover. Right now, you got a chance to come back. Right now, you got a chance to get it right. But on that day, on that day, on that great day, when he say, depart from me, it ain't, it ain't time to get it right then. You got to work while it's day because there comes a there comes a time. It's going to come nighttime when no man shall work. The time to get it right is now. Hallelujah. I'm coming in now. And so I got pastor, pastors, right? I'm going to love you through it. Right? Because right now is the time to get it right. So I'm going to love you through it. I'm going to preach you through it. I'm going to walk you through it. I'm going to talk you through it. I'm going to show up for you. Right? But you got to lay your burdens down and you got to pick up the cross. And when you pick up the cross, then you rocking with Jesus. That's what my notes say. I'm going to do all I can, but you got to lay your burdens down. It's, going to, it's only going to be so far I can carry you while you're carrying all them burdens. And then God going to say, okay, pastor, I got another sister over there. You've been helping this person carry these burdens all this time now. You've been faithful. You've been patient. You've been kind. You've been long-suffering. You've been temperate. You've been meek. You know, did all the fruits of the Spirit for all the bear trade. But he won't lay them burdens down. And I got another brother right here, Brother Ethan, who needs you to help him walk. God needs some of y'all to lay these burdens down so you can help somebody else pick up their cross. You got to. You either want to live or you want to die. You either want to live or you want to die. Jesus offers life, but you got to want it. And it's just that simple. And here's the scenario, and then I'm almost going to be done. Here's the scenario. I say, if you got a gun in your hand and you're about to kill yourself and God is trying to take the gun what is there to think about? That's what some of us do. We got a gun to our head. And Jesus is like, come on, give me the gun. And you want to sit there and think about whether or not you should hand the gun over or not. What is there to think about? You either want to live or you want to die. You either going to let him take the gun, you're going to lay down them burdens and burn your idol, or you're going to pull the trigger. And no, I'm not just talking about specifically a gun. I'm talking about whatever your sin is. Either you're going to let them take them or you're going to pull the trigger. Lay your burdens down. Jesus says in the 24th verse, I'm going to read this and then I'm going to be done. Um, Brother Junior. So everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man, a farsighted Practical, 
and sensible man. He talked about men and women who built his house on the rock. Anybody who hears what I'm saying today is a wise person. You're farsighted. You're looking at the future. Not only your life, your children, you even going as far as to look at your grandchildren. You're saying to yourself, I got to get this word rooted deep down on the inside of me, not only in myself, but for my kids and my kids' kids. The Bible says that a good man shall leave an inheritance for his kids' kids. He's not just talking about money. He's talking about the word. He says, if you hear these words today, you're like a wise man, farsighted, practical, sensible, who built your house on a rock and the rain fell. And the floods and the torrents came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had been founded on a rock. I don't know about y'all, but I feel like I'm in a storm all the time. And the only thing that got my house still standing up is Jesus. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish, stupid man who built his house on the sand. What happened to what happened to dirt when water hit it? It turned to mud. It turned to miry clay. And the rain fell and the floods and the torrents came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and it fell. And great and complete was his fall. When Jesus had finished speaking these words on the mountain, this is the end of his sermon on the mountain. When he finished speaking these words, the crowds were astonished and overwhelmed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority to teach entirely of his own volition. That means like he's a, he need nobody to tell him. He needs us. He's like some of us, you know, we co-sign. My pastor say, I want y'all to get to the point where you don't have to say my pastor say. You'll be able to say Jesus said. The Bible say. The Bible say. And stand on it. Right? Well, you don't have to use my name. Like, oh yeah, I know, pal. He for real. Are you for real? They should believe what you say when you say something about God. When you speak, they don't get she real. So she said it. I know it got to be real. They should believe what you say. Hallelujah. For he was teaching as one who had authority. Right? And not as the scribes who relied on others to confirm their authority. So what they used to do, they would say Moses. They would say Moses said. What does Moses teach? They had to use the name of Moses to prove. Jesus was like, I don't have to use Moses' name because I'm God. Lay down your burdens. Lay down your burdens. Burn your idols. What's the real business of church? Why are you here? Why are you here? Lay down your burdens. Pastor, what's my burdens? I don't know. I just know y'all got them. I tell y'all that all the time. I don't try to get your business. I know there's something wrong with you, though. How can you be a pastor and don't know the sheep? I know when you're broken. I know when you're sad. I know when you're grieving. I know when you're faking. I know when you're lying. I know when you're making excuses. Y'all know how I know? Because I'm in the flesh too. I know all the things that I used to do and all the things that I'm still struggling with that I'm praying each and every day for Jesus to fix in me. So you can't pull the wool over my eye. 
I know how hard it is to get up and go to work sometimes. I know what it feels like to have your children, to have problems in your marriage. I know what it feels like not to have money. I know what it is to lose loved ones. All of that. That's the, that's the business of life. That's the business of life. There's no excuse you're going to have when you stand before Jesus that's going to be good enough to justify your sins. There is no excuse that you're going to have that's going to be good enough that's going to justify your sins. Not when he paid it all. Not when he paid it all. So this sermon is about you evaluate it. Go home, go with it. Like even, even today, say, God, what is my fruit? Whose life, has I, whose life have I touched? And y'all, y'all understand what I mean by touched. You can do good work as a coach. Get on scholarship. But on judgment day, what scholarship gonna do? You can be a school teacher. 4.0 GPA. Go on to make six figures because of the good education that you provide. But on judgment day, and y'all know you ain't got to preach to let somebody know about Jesus, right? If you live it out, they're going to ask you. They're going to ask you, and you just going to be like, oh, it's Jesus. It's just that simple. It's Jesus. In the name, when you say it, if you're living it, when you say it, it's not going to be like, what you mean, Jesus? I, I go to church. They're going to want to know more about the Jesus you're talking about because it's something about your life where your Jesus look a little bit different than everybody else's Jesus. That's the fruit. That's the fruit. Lay down your burdens. Burn your idols.